Welcome to the Courageous Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Zanetti. Each episode, we meet thought leaders, game changers, and entrepreneurs sharing their mindset, skill set, and habits so you too can lead with courage and bring your vision to life. Today's special guest is Travis Chapel. Travis is the top podcaster. He has the Build Your Network podcast as well as the World Class podcast. He is an amazing dad. He's an amazing podcaster. He has interviewed every top guest in the world. He is an absolute rock star. Had the privilege of meeting Travis at an Australian podcast event. He's down to earth. He's so friendly, beautiful soul. And I can't wait to share his journey with you to inspire you and answer all your business, podcasting and relationship building questions. Thanks so much for joining us, Travis Chapel. <laughs> of course. Thanks so much for having me, Carol. It's been a, been a while since we first connected, huh? Yes. The podcast, uh, podcast Amplify event in uh, the Gold Coast. Yes, like almost three years, uh, like yeah. two and a half years ago, yeah. Yeah, end of 2017. And yeah. then we painted the town red at Thrive that's in right. Vegas. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And you won an award at Thrive and got to go backstage, interview everybody because you live and breathe, um, I believe, like doing your best in everything you do. Like you're not just, oh, yeah, let's create a podcast. You're like in no time have the top podcast. It's so um, just shows who you are. You know, it's so good. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it's you know definitely definitely something that's a, a part of who I am is, is if I'm doing something, I feel like I, I feel like it deserves my attention, my full attention. If, and if it doesn't deserve my full attention, then why am I doing it? You know? Love it. I'd love to start with what makes you feel alive? That's a good question. Honestly, like this has nothing to do with business or anything. Uh, what makes me feel alive is traveling. Um, I just, I, I love to travel and get out and go do things and see places and um, that kind of stuff makes me that, that's that's why I do everything that I do. It all comes back to the fact, like I got into this space because I wanted time freedom and I wanted financial freedom and I wanted location independence. I didn't I didn't want to have to, I don't want to have to be in a certain geographic location in order to be able to make money. And um, and that's what intrigued me about the online world and the podcasting space was that I could still do I could still make good money and I could still have awesome conversations and and do something that fired me up but I didn't have to do it behind, you know, in a cubicle, um, in an office building somewhere where it just sucked my soul dry. So, um, yeah, what fires me up is, uh, is, you know, makes me feel alive is getting out and traveling and, and, you know, experiencing what the world has to offer. Amazing. And I'm going to ask you all about your podcast, but first of all, I would love to know what has share with us some of your call to courage. I believe like we all have this journey from adversity to victory. Like what are some of the lessons that you've learned on the way? Um, I know a lot of your story and it's super inspiring. So I'd love you to share some of the things that you went through from like door to door sales. Yeah, sure. So I, I have a really unique um, upbringing. I was raised very, very conservative in a, a really traditional um, religious setting. And, um, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a cult, but it's pretty close to being that way. Um, and so I, I grew up my, lived my entire life basically on this one campus. 
Um, it was like a 40 acre campus um, that uh, I lived like three miles from the campus. And uh, I went to school there. I went to church there and basically grew up there. So from the time that I was three to the time that I was 21, I was spending the majority of my time on that campus in some regard um, because they had a school, a K, like kindergarten through 12th grade school. And then they also had a college um, on the same campus. And so I went to that school from kindergarten all the way through my senior year of college. And That's because your dad was a, a minister there or something. As well. So what's, what's interesting is that the pastor of that church, and because it, it's, a, it's a large church, especially for that segment of Christianity, like it's independent fundamental Baptist, like it's a you know, nice subsect thing. of a subsect of Christianity. And so as far as churches in that movement go, like it was one of the largest and most well-known in the entire country because there's in the, really in the entire world, not just the entire country. It is world renowned in that space in that, like I said, subsect of a subsect of Christianity. So there's probably like six or 7,000 members of the church. Wow. And uh, the Pride. pastor there happened to have the same exact last name as I do, but there's actually no relation. So oh. it sounds and is spelt exactly the same, but, um, but we're not related at all. But yeah, so, but, but for whatever reason, we started going there when I was a little kid and we kept going there until I graduated college and, um, and uh, so when I say that I lived the majority of my life there, it's just true. Like all my sports there were there, all my friends, like so many people have different friend groups. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I went to middle school with this person and I went into elementary school with this person, then high school with this person, then college with this person. And uh, then I went to church and youth group with that person. And then I played basketball with that person. Like they, they have like all these different separations of all the different time, uh, you know, uh, uh, times of their life and mine was all the same. So everything that I did was the same from, you know, age three to age 21. And so it was really unique perspective on, on growing up. And, um, because of the way that I've changed some of my values and belief systems since then, um, I think in terms of your question, when it comes to some lessons that I learned along the way, one of the biggest things that I've learned is how to be more empathetic toward people of different cultures and belief systems because of how much I was fully bought into something that I'm not as much bought into as I was before. It makes me be highly empathetic toward people who maybe are bought into something or maybe people who aren't bought into something. It gives me a, a unique, you know, respect and perspective to agree and disagree with almost anybody that I come in contact with. And that's been one of the huge lessons that I've taken away from that. But, um, but yeah, in terms of the business world, you know, I, I, um, was doing a landscaping business in high school. And then, uh, in college, that's when a buddy of mine started doing door to door sales. I saw a paycheck of his and thought that looks interesting. And so it kind of jumped in from there and then, yeah, I did six or seven years of door to door and, and then jumped into the online world and got into podcasting. I love it. And I love that because my background is um, I was brought up for a few years uh, with a mum that um, dived deep in religion and church and okay. had that um, connection. So mm -hmm. there's many um, gifts in character building and lessons you learn and morals and values. And yeah, yeah I believe like also, you know, I was brought up with do unto others as you have them do unto you. So mm -hmm. like with, some of this background it's quite often that you have like really strong values and morals to yeah. then set you up for later your business relationships are so much more stronger and respectful and integrity because you've got that rock solid um 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, it's a form of personal development. You know what I mean? Like the way that I grew up, it was, we were, we had church three times a week. So we had Sunday morning church, we had Sunday night church, and then we had Wednesday night church. Um, And then we had chapel in school, which is basically like mini church, but in school instead of at church. So we had church services all the time, but it's essentially like sitting down and listening to motivational speakers. You know what I mean? Like it's very similar. Um, they're talking only about the Bible, but there are a lot of principles in there that translate into the real world and, and translate into real life as well. So, um, yeah, there's there's definitely some things to be said for you know what shaped my my uh, moral belief systems and my values and my philosophy on life. Like a lot of those things were affected by that tremendously. And you are very you have a passion for personal growth, I believe, because some of the most incredible speakers and personal growth people in the world have been on your podcast. Um, How has that shaped your journey? So, you know, you went from, you know, the religious background and then you've been mentored and, you know, followed some of the best in personal development. How did that become part of your values? Yeah, I was, when I was growing up, I, um, you know, we went to church and everything, but I was never a, I never did anything personally in my own time to continue to educate myself unless it was about the Bible. Cause like I, I was, I was always studying the Bible and I, I went to college for Bible and church ministries and I double majored in those two things. And, um, so I, I always studied that, but in terms of any other books or any other teachings or any other reading or, or personal development of any kind, I was never that guy. And I, I hated reading. I hated anything like that. I just wanted to play basketball and play music and hang out with my friends and make stupid comedy shorts and like just do, just do dumb stuff like that. And so reading was never on the agenda for me. What happened was, I was doing door-to-door sales and I realized um, at the end of a successful year in door-to-door that I was not going to do it full time, like that I didn't want to do it long-term. I was like 22 or 23 at the time and I'd already hit a ceiling in the company I was working in and I just didn't want to be knocking on doors. So I was back to, you know, back against the wall because I, you know, when I was 22, I was married and we had a mortgage and I like bought a house and stuff. So I didn't have the luxury of like just going and living on my mom's couch and figuring life out, you know? So I, I had to kind of make a decision. And so I, I cashed in on a real estate deal and my wife actually went back to work. Um, and, uh, I was able just to kind of take some time off and dive into personal development and figure out what was going to be next for me. Cause I genuinely had no idea, you know, I, I, my whole life, I was just going to be a ministry. So when I was 22, 23, and I realized I wasn't going to be doing door to door anymore. And I realized I wasn't going to be a ministry anymore. I was like, well, shoot, like, what do I do? You know? So I just felt, I felt like a 15 year old kid again. And, you know, with a world of, of limitless possibilities, trying to figure out if I wanted to be an FBI agent or a detective, or if I wanted to stay in this entrepreneurship thing or get into real estate or like, I didn't know what to do. And I had no idea where I was going to go. And, uh, so it kind of forced me like back against the wall to jump into personal development. Cause I was like, I don't know where else to turn. Like, I don't know how I'm going to learn what I'm going to do if I don't just like start doing something and getting, you know, a glimpse of a bunch of different types of vocations and backgrounds and industries and businesses models and like all that kind of stuff. And so that's what initially led me into the personal development world was back against the wall. Don't know what to do. I better figure it out. You know what I mean? Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to roll over. So I had to kind of back against the wall, figure it out. Life experience is totally the best teacher, isn't it? You know? Oh yeah, definitely. It, it is the, the most lasting lessons are learned from life experience. Mm, Cause 
your heart is involved, like the emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember uh, you started your podcast journey back in 2017. So can you share with us why you even went down there? Like already there was podcasting was very popular. It's very hard to get in there and actually get viewers and, you know, really make a thing of it. And you crushed it. You've, like I said, you've, I'm a personal development, like I'm a coach. I absolutely love personal growth. I love people that have the balls to go after their dreams and not talk about it. And that's why I have so much respect for you and what you do and being able to make this valuable information free for others to download and learn from. So it's so powerful. Can you share with us a bit of your start of your journey? Like how did you get involved? Yeah, sure. So with podcasting specifically, um, I was, I remember I was, I was studying for my mortgage license because I was going to start selling mortgages and um, I was just listening to a bunch of podcasts and came across John Lee Dumas and he was talking about this free podcast course thing. And I was like, this podcasting thing seems interesting. And the thing that I, uh, the thing that, that, uh, that finally got me to pull the trigger was I was just looking at um, John's income reports and uh, which anybody can go do. You can go to yofire.com and you can look at how much money John makes every single month since he started his show from back in 2012 or 2013. And um, he gives you the exact breakdown of like his gross, um, income, his expenses, his net income, like he breaks it all down. It was super, super transparent. And I remember reading through that and I was just like, this guy makes this much money podcasting. Like, how is this even possible? Like, what does this world even look like? How is the, like, how is he doing this? And uh, the thing that intrigued me the most was the location freedom. Like kind of what I was alluding to earlier was the fact that like in door to door, I felt like I had some time freedom because I only worked like 15 to 25 hours a week, depending on the week. Um, Cause we only went and knocked doors when people were home. So we would go out from like three o'clock to eight o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, so it was a pretty relaxed work schedule and to make six figures working that many hours when I was 22 was something that I was like pretty happy about. But at the end of the day, when I would be gone for a week, I didn't make any money and I didn't like that. And so uh, I, the next thing that I was looking to do, I was like, I, it needs to be something to where I can be gone and still make money or make more money while I'm gone without skipping a beat. And, and, uh, so that, you know, podcasting kind of checked all the boxes for me. And, uh, um, and I, I've kind of felt like I had a kind of natural proclivity toward not, I guess, content creation a little bit. I felt like I, in, in high school and college, I felt like if I put my head down and, and worked on a paper, like a research paper or something like that, I just felt like what I came up with was typically better than what some of my classmates would come up with and, um, and not, not in an arrogant way, but anything like that. But just like, I felt like I had a natural kind of inclination toward being good at, at, at writing. Uh, but I did not enjoy that at all. Like I did not enjoy the writing process. Cause I was like, Oh, I could start a blog. I was like, I have zero interest in starting a blog. Like the, like thinking about writing a research paper every week was just like, like, no, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. So then I came across podcasting and just kind of figured out like, this is essentially just audio blogging. That's way more interesting to me than actually doing a blog. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, I jumped in the podcasting space. It wasn't, it wasn't this crazy like revelation that I had. It was just the fact that like, you know, I wanted time location. I wanted time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom. And, um, and then I felt like I, I felt like it was something that if I put some effort into, I felt like I could get better at it faster than most people would be able to get better at it, if that makes sense. Yes. 
amen to all of that time freedom flexibility being able to travel being able to earn uncapped salary like so many perks and i remember you actually went all in and you did a mastermind or mentorship with john lee dumas and that's how you ended up in Australia. So can you tell yeah. us about what, you know, you're also big on mentorship, building relationships, etc. Share with us, you know, you were so committed to your vision, you went all in. So how did that uh, allow you to achieve epic things? Yeah, I was just willing to do whatever it takes. You know what I mean? And uh, like, there's a big difference. There's some... I think people just never sit down and ask themselves if they are willing to do that. And a lot of people, I think if they really ask themselves if they're willing to do whatever it takes to be successful in the career or, or a path that they've chosen, I don't think that they would answer that yes. I don't think that most people would do whatever it takes. And it's not because, like, it's not because they're lazy or anything like that. It's just because they haven't found something that fires them up enough to go all in. And that's kind of how it was for me up to that point, except for I found this podcasting thing. I was like, if I could make this work, I would love my life, love, love, love every aspect of my life. I'll love how I generated money. I'll love how much money I had. I'll love the freedom to travel and do all these things that I love doing. Like I would love this version of my life. So am I willing to do whatever it takes to see success? The answer is yes. And so when I, yes. <laughs> so when, when I talked with John, I was asking him like, this was after, I think I went to his house in Porter or maybe it was before. I think it was before actually. I was asking him like, Hey, are the, what events should I be going to in this space or whatever? And he was like, podcast movement, you should go to podcast movement for sure. And he's like, and then I'm actually speaking at one. He's like uh, in Australia. He's like, but, and he just kind of wrote it off and he was just like, um, but I know, but, but you know, I, I know you're not going to go to that one or something like that. And I was just like, no, I'll go, <laughs> you know? So like, I'm like, I'll, why, why not? Like, wanted to go to Australia for a long time. Like if I'm not willing to take action and like go do these things, then I'm just going to have the same results as everybody else who's not willing to take action. Like I have to do things that people aren't willing to do if I want the results that people aren't going to have, you know? And so, so like those are those opportunities that I said yes to that uh, like, like early on that I, that I view as big parts of big parts of my journey mm. for sure. I love just have so much respect for that because I'm that kind of person as well. And it is a rare trait where you will actually like, you know, stretch yourself to be there as well. And the magic that right. happens because exactly. it's such a big deal. I mean, that's how you and I connected. We partied with the top podcasters in the world. We, I remember, yeah. you know, we went to a private after party dinner with, you know, Jordan, Harbinger, John Lee Dumas, his beautiful wifey, you know, incredible people. And a thing that I really love about you is this is what you've always talked about as well. Never put anyone on a pedestal. We're all equal. Don't go running up and kiss their ass and ask for an autograph and stuff. Be memorable Mm -hmm. by just being that beautiful. A regular person. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk to that? Like, you know, you're really good at networking and sure. Yeah. Yeah. With people like that, you, you tell them how to treat you by the way that you treat them. And so that's what I mean by don't go up and ask for autographs and pictures and like selfies and all this stuff. Because, because if you do that, you're instantly telling them you're up here and I'm down here. Mm -hmm. And now you have to claw your way back out of that deficit that you've put yourself in from the beginning of the interaction. 
Um, whereas if you just come in like a normal person and realize that they're a normal person and have a conversation like we're both two normal people, then you're telling them to treat you like a normal person, which is way more like we're equals. We're like seeing each other on the same level. And, um, you know, regardless of if you actually are on the same level or not, you know, like that's how you're telling people to treat you. And uh, so that's, that's, yeah, it's all perception is reality. Like perception is all that matters because regardless of reality and what is intrinsic truth, perception is what somebody else's truth about you is to them. And so that's, you have to, you have to be able to control that perception to a certain extent. Um, and that's, and that's why I went to Australia with John Lee Dumas, because I knew coming into that, that that would be really good positioning for me. That if I went there just because John told me to, I figured that he's a cool guy. He's going to hang out with me a little bit anyway, which he did. And, um, like we, we had, uh, we had breakfast. No, this was, so, so yeah, so I booked it, I think before I went to Puerto Rico, but by the time I had went to Australia, I had gone to Puerto Rico and spent some time with him and Kate. And then I, uh, volunteered to work that event for free for him and then did the next event for free for him, which was my first thrive, actually the first yeah. thrive I ever went to. Um, and so I worked that event for him as well. So now we'd hung out like three separate times. And so by the time Australia came, we, we, touched, we, we, we had breakfast in, in New Zealand, uh, when we, cause like they were leaving New Zealand when we were coming into New Zealand. So we had breakfast in New Zealand and then we met up again at the event. So we're actually able to hang out as a little bit like friends at, we are podcast in Australia, which is how I met Jordan. Who's now a really great friend and mentor of mine. Um, Michael O'Neill, another, another guy he spoke at my, he He's was the MC for my event this past fall. Um, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those relationships were from that, um, from that particular thing. But I knew, I knew that going to the event, I wasn't just going to meet people. I was going to be able to meet people with the positioning of John Lee Dumas introducing me to them, which yes. is a totally different conversation than me going up to them and saying, I'm a huge fan. Can I have a selfie? Here's some of this microphone autograph it for me, you know? Um, so it, it, it tells people how to treat you if you, yeah. depending on how you treat them. Yeah. You're more memorable as, as right. well. Um, I would love to also share that, what we admire in others is also in us. So nobody is above or below. We're all on an equal playing field. Other people just have more experience and they've invested to be where they are. So I think it's really important in real life. You know, if you look up to somebody like Tony Robbins, what is it in him that's like not fully expressed in you? You know, um, and that brings us back to the reality of we're all beautiful, powerful um, beings. Um, yeah, and I cool. just love that reflection of that podcasting event. I mean, that's how I met you. Um, and I was friends with Michael O'Neill, uh, the podcaster of Solo, Solo Hour, Solo Prayer. Yeah. And he introduced me to a lot of the people as well. And, you know, now the I have a podcast with John Lee Dumas this week entrepreneurs on fire and Wonsley is going to come on our courageous leaders summit. And I, and this is what John even said. He said he does the podcast and helps people because he rewards people that have the courage to show up and go after their dreams. And he said, it's because I flew to Australia to launch my podcast, you know, a couple, you know, like those people that are in the game, they have respect for people that aren't all talk that are in the game and do show up. And that's yeah. a beautiful reward. There will, there are people like that are willing to help people, but they're only willing to help people who are, are first going to help themselves. 
egg because if they just helped everybody, they would never do anything else. They would only just help people. And then everybody else would be 80% of people are never going to take action and they're only going to waste their time. So Mm -hmm. you have to show those types of people, those mentors, those, you know, um, those people who, who you want to emulate, you have to show them why you're worth them spending their time with. Amen. Yeah. And that's leading by example and going all in on your dreams and showing up. And then that's why also let's go into your podcast and what you've been able to achieve and, you know, part of the lessons and blessings you've learned. Like I remember um, you had our mate, our mutual friend, Joel Brown on your show. And he's like, you're fucking relentless. Like you, you know, used to follow up and then, you know, you got so many amazing interviews. So share with us some of your experience through getting like the most phenomenal leaders in the world on your show. Yeah. In terms of like what, like how I reach out or. First of all, like, yeah, like from the start, like how was that? You know, obviously yeah. you got some pretty good people like John Lee Dumas and then like built from that leveraged. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at first I was just willing to pay to play. Uh, that was the name of the game for me at first. Cause if you're willing to pay to play, you can shortcut the process. Um, you don't have to pay to play. You don't have to join a mastermind or pay a lot of money to travel to Australia to hang out with somebody. Like you don't have to do those things, but if you're willing to, you're going to shortcut that learning curve by quite a bit. Um, And I think success loves speed. I think that that's a, I think that's a principle uh, that success Mm -hmm. loves speed. And uh, if you're, if you're going to put effort and momentum into something that you can really ride that momentum wave a little bit. So that's essentially what I did is I paid to play and I got the first couple people on through paying to play. And then after that, it was just a lot of cold reach out and a lot of rejection. And some people said, yes, you know what I mean? Like I just got lucky. Some people said, yes, now it's kind of the opposite. Now it's more like more people say yes than say no. But at first it was more people saying no than said yes. And a lot of people just ignoring me. And, um, but now that, now that, now that I have the, the resume and now that I have the, the list of credible Results. people, yeah, that then like people are way, obviously way more willing to say yes. And now that I'm a top entrepreneurship show, like everything else makes everything so much easier than it was at the beginning. But at the beginning, I'd, I had to work really hard to try to get some of these people to say yes. And, and you- it would take months at a time, months at a time. And a couple of people, even years. I love it. Relentless. And share with us, like you were in sales. So you're used to dealing with rejection and be like, oh, well, let's go again. Let's go again. You know, you know, it takes a few touches to get people's attention. And then, you know, quite often they have respect and say, yeah, let's do this. And let's share some of your wins. You know, you flew to Miami, interviewed our mate Grant Cardone. You've done some fucking amazing things like share with us what you've been able to truly enjoy because of going all in on your dream yeah I, it's really just the people and the connections like i i just you know if 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 um True if you would have told me at the beginning yeah yeah it really is and, and if you told me at the beginning that i was going to be able to have conversations with people that are just heroes of mine genuinely heroes like people who i respect and look up to tremendously you know, like that would have been my goal from the beginning. And that was my goal from the beginning, just to be able to have conversations with people who I looked up to respected. And, um, and that, that was, that was the goal. So the fact that I was able to do that was so with not just like a handful of people, but almost everybody on my list from the beginning, that I'm able to be able to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation. And now a lot of them are in person 
Um, so, you know, like going to Tom Bilyeu's house in Beverly Hills or to Grant Cardone's studio. In so Miami good. Or, um, oh my yeah, God. Like some of these people are just, you know, they're so, they're so inspiring and motivating and they're, they are some of the most premier thought leaders in the world. And so to be able to get some of their time without having to pay a ton of money to get it is, um, is a really, really incredible thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. And so now to be able to look at like my recent text messages, like before I started my show, Caroline, like I didn't, I didn't know any seven figure entrepreneurs before I started my show, like zero. Um, so now to be able to look in my phone book and like scroll through my past conversations where the majority of my friends are seven figure plus entrepreneurs now is a really cool thing because it, it just shows that if you're willing to put in the work and deal with the the rejection and some of the shitty things up front that you can, you know, reap the reward on the back end. Amen. And proximity is power. You talk about yes. this, you live and breathe, you know, your podcast is build your network and you ask every guest, is it who you know or what you know that helps you the most? So mm. let's ask you that question. We all know mm. the answer. <laughs> yeah. I think it's who, you know, and the reason that I think that, is that your who you know will always feed your what you know, and I think it'll feed it in an exponential way. And I don't see the opposite also happening. So your what you know could lead to who you know, and you could be really, really good at your craft, and you should, and you should be. You should perfect your craft. You should get really good at what you do, and that will lead to more opportunities and connections and things like that. Um, but I don't think that it will lead to connections in an exponential way, meaning that I think that there's somebody out there doing exactly what you do, not as good as you do it, and being way more successful at it just because they have more opportunities through connections. Mm. And um, so you're, you're, you're the what you know um, is always going to be increased exponentially by the who. You know, like if you just want to get really good at golf and you have two people that want to get really good at golf and one of them goes golfing once a week for an entire year with a group of people that are not as good of golfers as he is then is he going to get better? Yeah, sure. He'll get better, incrementally better because he's golfing a bunch. You know what I mean? He's once a week for a year, like he's going to, he's, he's golfing a bunch, right? And for the golfers out there, they might be like, oh, you know, it, it requires way more than one a week. And I get that, but this is just an illustration. Okay. So, um, uh, so then you have person number two who goes golfing once a week, but with people that are better than him every single time, which of the two do you think is going to make a more dramatic improvement on their game? obviously the guy who went with people who are better than he is because that's just what happens like your what will increase because of your who like i think people like misunderstand that question sometimes because you know they're they're assuming that i'm i'm that that by saying who is the answer that you're totally deprioritizing what and that's just not the case like you have to have what you have to be competent you have to learn your craft and be good at your craft and, and you want to be the go-to person within your existing network for a particular you know topic or industry or niche or whatever you want to be that and you want to have that authority and you want to be good at what you do um, but at the end of the day i think the who will lead to creating the better like perfect example like someone like john lee dumas he is the podcast man you know what i mean but in my it circles is. yeah sure yeah exactly and but in my circles i'm known as the podcast guy they don't know john they know me yep. you know what i mean and i like i was able to become that in my circles because i was spending time with him so i learned directly from somebody who was already crushing it on an amazing level that i couldn't even you know fathom at the time and like now it's led to like, because I was able to do that and not just like read a PDF or two, you know what I mean? Like, cause I was spend real time with John and Jordan Harbinger and Pat Flynn and some of these people, like 
to learn from them on, even if it's a totally indirect way, like even if you're not asking them directly about podcasting questions, you're still hanging out with them. You still hear the level of conversations that they have, the things that they talk about, the, uh, the way that, the way that they like communicate, everything about it is different when you start hanging out with people that operate on a level like that. And so, uh, you just, you eventually will become that person. So I, I think that it's who, you know, all the way, because I think that, uh, your, what will always increase exponentially based on who you hang out with. A million percent agree. And, and would you say building your personal brand is what's also helped that through the proximity of these people? Because I believe like, yeah, tell us how you feel having a strong personal brand influences. Yeah, sure. And that, that goes hand in hand with the network part of it because mm. like there's, there's something in, in um, um, psychology called the law of association. And it basically means that you are who you associate with and people will automatically assume that you are a t particular type of person based on the people that you hang out with if they know who that person is. And so that was my goal from the beginning. It was just like, it just made sense to me if I, cause that was how I judged if somebody, if, if I thought somebody was trustworthy that I'd never met before, if I never heard of this person and, but they've had all these other people that they've connected with that I already do know, like, and trust like John Lee Dumas or Jordan Harbinger or any of these other guys, like, then I'd be like, okay, well that person immediately jumped levels, like huge levels of credibility in my own mind. And yes. so I kind of made that my, my goal was just like, if I want to build trust in my audience, all I have to do is associate with people who have already spent decades building trust with their audiences. That's really the name of the game. And so, yeah, that personal brand to me was quite literally only that it was like my main focus was just trying to rub shoulders with more and more people on a really high level because people just put you up on that level and you have to be to a certain extent. That's the thing is like, you can't hang out in those circles if you can't hang in those circles. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I know that, can't I, I know, I know that's an obvious statement. Yeah, actions. right. Exactly. You have yeah, to you, you can't, step into that next to. level version of yourself in all areas. Yeah. So it's not, it's not just like a, a way that people think it's actually true. You know, like you have to continue to improve if you're going to mm -hmm. be, if you're going to be able to hang on those circles, you have to continually become a better, uh, become better at what you do. If, if they're going to recommend you to some of their friends and, and stuff like that. So you know, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all part of it for sure. And the personal brand is really important, but you know, I think people mix up personal brand with like how many Instagram followers do you have and like, what's yes. your color scheme on your website? Yes. And it has nothing to do with any of yes. that stuff. It's, it's just, all relationships. it's, it's mm. all about what does somebody feel about me if they're looking at my stuff for the first time, the like energy. that tells me how my branding is. And uh, so when you first hear about me and you go check out my site and you see me as with a bunch of people that you already know, love, and trust from your other various, you know, uh, researching or, you know, past experiences. And you see all those people that I've associated with, like you're automatically just going to assume that I'm at a certain level of credibility and that I deserve a certain level of trust just because of a few pictures on my website. You know what I mean? So, yeah, or, or conversations on a podcast, because I think that's more powerful than just a picture. But, uh, but yeah, so I, 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 the answer is yes. Yeah, your personal brand definitely matters and, and helps you continue to get more and more, you know, people. Um, I love that. And I heard Lewis House the other day talk about your personal brand, your relationships, etc. is the number one thing that you can rely on to get you through a recession, like to be able to have right. stable income, right? Recession proof, future proof. Yeah. Yep. Like it's deep. It's real. It's one of the number one ways. Yeah. And like start today. Credibility you know, like, with a bunch of people mm -hmm. and influence and trust with a bunch of people. 
then um, you're, you're not going to have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. Yep. And I would love to know this personally, and I know many of our audience would love to know this. How did this relationship connection, podcasting, et cetera, you know, relationships is currency. Your network reflects your net worth. So how did you start to monetize your podcast or be able to um, create masterminds, et cetera, and create relationships which were mutual beneficial? Yeah, so I I started off with a mastermind. That was my first ever monetization point. It was like five months into my show, probably like a month or two after we met. I was it was like I think December of 2017 that I launched my first like you know mastermind or whatever. Um, didn't make much money, but I proved the model to myself, and that was enough for me. Like I I I uh, proved that somebody would be like people would be willing to pay me for some of my time and expertise. And, and my network, because one of the big things for me is like, I never wanted to charge for something that I haven't done. And so I was basically saying like, hey, join the group and I'll bring in experts that are within my network because I've been able to connect with a lot of top people. And that by itself was one of the biggest, you know, deliverables for that group and one of the biggest value adds. Um, but uh, the answer is really, it's all about your audience. If you spend enough time with your audience, they'll tell you what to build. And this is specifically for content creators and podcasters and YouTubers and bloggers and email, you know, um, uh, marketers and things. If you spend enough time with your audience and get to know them enough, then they're going to tell you exactly what to build. And all you have to do is go build it. Uh, the, the reason why people fail is they guess what the audience should have or wants next. And they, they don't know for sure. So they launch this thing and they put all this time and effort in this new thing or this course or this, you know, mastermind or event or whatever. And you come to find out that nobody even wanted it to begin with. So I, I just am really big on trying to keep a pulse on my audience and, and making sure that I'm creating stuff that they actually want to see. And, and I'm creating stuff that they actually like want from me. And it makes the sales process so much easier, so much easier. I think that is a real mic drop moment. You know, I've heard this from many, many people. If you want to sell something, ask your buyers what are their needs. You know, like mm -hmm. ask quality. The quality of your life depends largely on the quality of questions you ask yourself and others, right? Yeah. Yeah. So can you share with us some things that have made your masterminds that you've been in and that you've created next level? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have a I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, for me personally, for my mastermind, it's about delivering results and not separating myself from my mastermind. And I've gotten advice from people who are super tactical about their relationships in that sense. Like they're like, well, you need to separate yourself so that you, you know, prove your time is more exclusive to the people that are in your group. And then they, they pay you more for your time and like all this other stuff. And I'm just, just not a fan of any of that stuff. And I've been a part of some of those groups that are clearly that way. And it just makes me feel not good enough to talk to the person at the, and it's not even like they're a real You're celebrity or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, what? this doesn't make any sense to me. Um, why am I going to do that? Like, why are they even paying to be part of the group? So like, I kind of went above and beyond in, in my mastermind and, um, uh, you know, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome around it. Cause I was like, why are people going to join my mastermind when it's $12,000? Like that's, you know, that's a lot, you know, comparatively to somebody's mastermind that I joined for $15,000 who has like a 10 X on my net worth, you know? Um, and, um, 
at the end of the day, it doesn't come down to what you charge and or who you are. It comes down to the value that you offer in terms of deliverables. And so I just went really hard on the value that I offered. And um, so we do, we do like uh, mastermind calls once a week, not once a month. And then we go on trips together. We went to a, a ski resort this past January. Um, our next trip is in Costa Rica. It was got postponed, obviously, with everything going on right now. Um, but uh, but we're, we rented out an entire resort in Costa Rica for my mastermind. I'm flying out a couple speakers. Um, and then everybody that's in my mastermind gets total access to me and my cell phone. And then also... Um, also they fly out to Vegas individually one-on-one and we have like a one-on-one Vegas day with everybody in my mastermind. So they come out to Vegas and we like, we go, uh, I, I interview them for my show and then we go, uh, grab some dinner and, uh, hang out in Las Vegas, whatever they want to do. If they, like, we, we went and watched a show with uh, somebody in the mastermind, uh, before all this stuff happened, we, um, went to a couple speakeasies and just had some drinks. Um, another, another guy just wants to play blackjack. So like, I'm just hanging out one-on-one with everybody who joined the crew because I just want to, it's all about the relationships to me. And I, I want these relationships to be real friendships when this is all over. I don't want these people to have to continue paying me for the next 20 years to be yes. my friend, you know? Yes. So, um, that yeah. is, that is, that is beautiful, Travis, like, honestly, like so much respect for that. I agree. You know, um, it refers to many things, coaching clients, masterminds, etc. Like you don't want people to be investing in you forever. You want to empower them to go do their thing and have that uh, friendship and high fives along the way for their achievements. Yeah. Um, and recently you have become a dad and you have such yes. a beautiful wife can you share with us, you know, the realness of this transition of, you know, becoming a dad, um, being an entrepreneur, how has that changed? Yeah, everything's changed. <laughs> everything's changed. Um, I can hear him in the background. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he's talking right when you're asking about him. Um, yeah, that's been, uh, you know, just uh, all the all the cliches are true. You know, I'll just say that like all the cliches are true. It's just been, you know, whirlwind. It's been a lot of work, but it's also been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. So, you know, it's just like anything in life. Like it, it, all the best things in life are on the other side of a shit ton of work. You know what I mean? Um, but those are the things that are worth it the most. And even with my marriage, it's the same way. Like marriage sometimes sucks, but that's what makes it so awesome. You know, and, and it's the same thing with, with being a dad and, and having my son is that, you know, the things like sometimes it sucks and sometimes it prevents me from being able to do things that I want to do. And so I have to sacrifice my time and I have to sacrifice more money and I have to sleep. give all, you know, sacrifice sleep and resources and all that stuff. And, but I mean, like I said, it's just the most rewarding thing. It's just, it's, it's impossible to explain. I, I wish I wish I could put into words. It's just, uh, it's just impossible to explain. So it's been a, been a huge, a huge impact on, on me and my business and on the trajectory of my life over the next three to five years. Like, you know, goals, even like all of those things have changed because, because of having him. Yeah. And I believe as a woman, as a, you know, a woman that loves kids, I believe that your children are the biggest legacy you can leave in the world and you have the most powerful podcasts and that is your legacy too and everything you're creating, but leaving, you know, empowering a new human being to, you know, 
lead on from your legacy is just such a, the most rewarding, beautiful gift and encourages our growth and brings out our own strengths and see what we get to work on more as well. Yep. Um, just a couple of more questions before we go. I know you also created your incredible event in Vegas. How was that for you? Like your growth, any like lessons, blessings, you know, I've run events and it's been a lot a big stretch. How was that yeah. for you? Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, honestly, I, I feel, I feel almost bad with a lot of other event organizers because they're always talking about the nightmares of running an event and it went pretty smoothly for us. I, I think that my wife and I make a pretty good team on that just because I'm, I'm the salesman and the leader, you know, so I book the speakers with that are within my network and, um, I sold the tickets and marketed the event and got people to show up but basically everything else my wife did. So, you know, like in terms of organizing the, the event and having a place to do it and getting all that stuff situated and, and, um, and, you know, getting all the AV stuff and all the, all the details and things that I would totally forget about. She was really good at making sure that they went well. And, you know, it was one of the, in entrepreneurship, you, you do a lot of things that you think are going to go a certain way and then they just don't go that way at all. And this was one of those things that we were blessed and, and, and fortunate enough to have actually go pretty well according to plan. And it was our first event ever, and we profited uh, six figures on it, which was oh wow, uh, that's huge. fucking amazing. Yeah, it was uh, a Jeez. huge, huge, a huge blessing for sure. And, and you know, like I said, it was just one of those things that went that just went the way that we planned for it to go. And, and sure, there were some things that came up, but nothing that was crazy huge or unexpected or like nothing that derailed us from the entire, you know, thing. And, and so we're able to really execute, I think, pretty effectively on it. Okay. So you had your first event and you made six figures. Can you please share some things that helped that? Like, was it the <laughs> fact that you got powerful speakers, the fact that you knew your worth and charged the right value, like you already built your brand? What do you think yeah, really I think helped? I think it's kind of all of the above, you know, having a, a brand to like a foundation to build on, I think was pretty, pretty important. That's why, that's why I love podcasting so much. Cause you can get in and, and start building an audience for nothing, you know, and you don't have to spend a ton of money to figure out if it's going to work. You just build an audience and then wait till you have an audience that's big enough. That's willing to come out to an event that you throw. Like it's, you know, so I, I didn't have to spend a ton of money on marketing. Um, it was just all warm, warm marketing. Um, so that was, that was one thing is having a, a base, a foundation of, of, uh, audience members, uh, that were willing to support, uh, made, made selling tickets easier for sure. Um, and then, uh, the quality of the speakers is huge, uh, just because again, it's that law of association thing. Like people need to see you, you know, on the same stage, even if it's not a physical stage, I'm just meaning like in general, see you on the same stage with people like that are, is really important. So you, you, you know, having that high quality level of speakers that, that most people would have to pay, you know, maybe even into six figures to get the speaker lineup that I had that I was able to get totally for free just from relationships that I've built over the past few years. Um, that, that I think was a huge, a huge aspect of it. Um, the quality of the event was really good. We, we spent, we spent probably like we spent probably like three times more than we needed to spend in order to make the event itself a really good experience, regardless of if they took the upsell and decided to join my mastermind or not. We Beautiful. wanted the event itself to be something where everybody was super happy with the investment that they made in the event itself and that nobody would leave thinking like, 
man, all that was, was a pitch for me to, you know, join his mastermind and I didn't really get anything from the event. So it was just like, we want this to be a totally standalone product that adds a shit ton of value to anybody who would ever come to it. And we charged a low amount for the tickets to make sure that people would get value from it. And then we just over delivered on all of those things. Um, so by the, I think by the time that I got up to do my speech where I actually like pitched and, and, and had people join the mastermind, um, we just kind of already had built a really high level of trust with a lot of people that were in there. Plus I pre-sold probably like five or six people. So we had some people that were already in the mastermind that were in the audience that was that, that part was super helpful. And so we sold like another 10 or 12 people there. Um, into my 12k mastermind at that point so um, yeah it ended up being being a really you know like I said a profitable event that I think that you shared so much gold thank you so much because you know a lot of people dream of doing these amazing events and I'm asking also this is like free coaching for me how good I've run events with hundreds of people flown in guests from all over the world however it was a dream come true for me so I didn't upsell anything at the event which is how you also leave money on the table because people want to be served they mm -hmm. want the after training and actually some of the speakers made six figures from my event but i didn't so this mm -hmm. is the biggest growth is the learning on the way and you just shared yes. so much value thank you thank you thank you thank you um yes, and you now have the world-class podcast. How, actually, before we go there, you creating your event, creating your speaking on stages, now got you to speak at PodFest, like the, the biggest, best podcasting event. Share with us your experience there. Yeah, it was amazing. I was super happy when Chris asked me to be the keynote there and it was a lot of fun. We had a really good time. The The PodFest crew is just a lot of fun. Podcasters in general are, are a lot of fun. Uh, just a really fun group of people to hang around with. There's there's not a lot, like you go to some business events and there's just a lot of dick measuring going Eager. on. I just, mm. like, yeah, exactly. And I just am not like a big, I just don't, That's those aren't my people as much. You know, like I get Same. along with anybody. And like I said at the beginning of all this, like I, I think I have a lot of empathy and it enables me to connect with a lot of people that some people wouldn't be able to connect with. And so I can hang out and, and, and hang in in both circles but you know i feel like that those just they're not my people you know what i mean um i think there's a difference between people that you hang out with and people who are like your your tribe you know and so i think the podfest people are like kind of my tribe and um uh, those are the people that i like to hang out with so you always have a fun time um i was a little bit more stressed this time because i spoke on the last day um so i didn't get to have as much fun as i usually do just because i was you know worried about my speech and things but um, but it was still a really good time and um you know got to speak in front of i think uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say i don't think the full attendees were there at present but you know over a thousand people i don't know how exactly what the Amazing. numbers were but um but yeah it was it was a really great experience and you launched your world-class podcast there Correct. what yeah. what uh inspired you to transition you still got your epic podcast but then you wanted to create a different style why is that yeah a kind of passion project for me I, I wanted to start getting a little bit outside of the entrepreneurship space and I was finding that Fun. potential guests that I was talking to weren't as thrilled about that show topic mm -hmm. you know I mean it is more of a business focused show and audience um, so I was just seeing a little bit of a pushback there I didn't want it to hold me back in terms of the types of people that I could bring on as guests so I just kind of built a whole new show that allows me to kind of talk to whoever I want to talk to 
So good. I, I absolutely love the name. I love the genre. You want to bring in more fun actors, musicians, just mm-hmm. yeah. athletes. Yep. Comedians. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Exactly. Um, okay. So we'll wrap things up now. What is, uh, if you could have dinner with anybody in the world, who would it be and why? Man, that's a tough question. I always go back and forth between like a couple like acting, like actors that I, that I really enjoy, like The Rock or um, Will Smith, people like that who are just, they seem to just crush anything they do and they are- Personality. Um, just seem really, just seem like really, really good people. They're not like, again, they're not, they don't have that ego. They're, they're not always trying to separate themselves from their fans and they, they, they're not hating on people when they like ask for a picture. Like they just seem like really good people and it would be cool to, to sit down and hang out with them for a little bit. Um, or athletes. I, I'm just, I've been in sports my whole life and I really enjoy, um, really enjoy watching sports. And I, and I think that once you get to the level of those world-class athletes, there's just, it, it's, it's a different type of, it's a different breed of individual that's willing, like, like I would love to sit down with LeBron James and, um, and hang out with him for a little mm. bit and just kind of pick his ear, pick his brain and, um, and, uh, and chat with him just cause I, that level of dedication is just, is just tremendous. Respect. And he's, he's of course a freakishly gifted athlete, but he wouldn't be anywhere near where he is now if he didn't also put in the insane amounts of work Amazing. that's required to be able to get to the level that he's on. So those would be, you know, LeBron James, The Rock, someone like that. Love it. Love it. And what book has helped you the most on your journey? There's so many. It's so hard to pick one. Um, I know. It's funny. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's over- funny seeing the guests go, fuck. Yeah. Well, uh, what, what, type, what type of book do you think would best serve your audience? Like well, we have the Courageous Leaders podcast, so I do think it's mindset and skill set. But okay. what about your mindset. journey? Mm. Yeah, for for me, I I've, I really like Mark Manson's books. That they're kind of like modern day philosophy to me, and I I recommend those to just about anybody. So subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yep, subtle art, not giving a fuck, and um, and everything is fucked. Is 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 his new book, and both of them. You know, when I, when I first picked up I the subtle art, I, the only reason I did it is I was in an airport and I needed to kill some time. And um, I was honestly not expecting much because the title just seemed super cheesy to me. I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. he's just selling books because it has the F word in the title, you know. Uh, but then I started reading it and I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a jam-packed, value, valuable book. And then the same thing with his new book that came out. Um, so, yeah, anything from Mark Manson I really enjoy. Love it. And... You have given us so much value. Thank you so much. I really have so much love and respect for you. Yeah, you've achieved some cool things, but it's actually just who you are as a person. Like you're just such a beautiful soul. Like, and I only know that from meeting you in person, like at Thrive and the podcast event, you know, I love how you have so much love for your wife. I think that's really important, you know, to actually prioritize your own relationship and just, yeah, it's so beautiful. Really grateful for your friendship and your time. So thank you. How can we give back and support you? Yeah, just the new show is the really big thing right now. So if you're listening to this on whatever podcast platform listening, go head over and search World Class or search my name, Travis Chapel, and World Class will pop up and subscribe, leave a rating and review. We'd love to grow the show over there. Amazing. I will leave your podcast and your website in the show notes so people can find you 
follow you, check out your masterminds as well. And I can't wait to um, share our mastermind with our leaders too. Life's so good. Awesome. Thank well, you. Thanks so much for having me, Carolyn. Really appreciate it. Big love. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Courageous Leaders Podcast. I would love you to subscribe and leave an honest review on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to inspire and impact more people. If you'd also love to stay connected and see our upcoming events and the show notes, please go to carolynzanetti.com. Thank you so much.